0: Welcome to our Trade Academy podcast series in which our experts simplify complex concepts involved in international trade and trade finance. In this episode, the changes made to DPU and DAT are explained and clarified. The episode finishes with a series of questions and answers to a variety of scenarios related to Incoterms.
1: Let us do a recap of the changes relating to DAT and DPU. In 2010 version of Incoterms, DAP delivered at place and then DAT delivered at terminal. Um, Seller had to unload the goods to deliver. Since the word terminal is broadly defined, it did create a confusion for users. Therefore ICC came up with two changes. To bring clarity, DAT name was changed to DPU, and DPU now comes after DAP, since under DPU, the seller needs to unload the goods from the means of transport. So, that's it from us, and we would like to
0: take a few questions. Thanks, Royston, and thanks, Mona, for that. Um, very insightful, as always. First question, Royston, uh, this one's for you, could you explain how Incoterms? do not cover transfer of ownership.
1: Yes, ownership is stated or mentioned clearly in the contract. What Incoterms do is primarily clearly define where the risk from the seller is transferred in the event of loss or damage to the goods. Who then bears the cost? It is not ownership. The ownership will be indicated or stated clearly in the contract between the seller and the buyer. I repeat, the incoterms covers the risk element and not the ownership. Thanks, Thanks,
0: uh, Royston. Uh, Next question, I think, slightly linked to that. Uh, Mona, this one's for you, I think. If incoterms Mm -hmm. do not require any legal obligation, then why bother using them?
2: So basically, in uh, international trade, when you're shipping goods to another country, right, there are many costs involved in that. So how would you um, explain that in an LC, when you're issuing an LC, how would you show that which charge is supposed to be paid by who and how is it going to be managed? So this is the easiest way where in co-terms, it is a uh, globally accepted uh, form where all the banks, all the customers, everyone is aware of this. So the moment you mention DAT or DPU or CIF, everyone knows who is supposed to pay what and up to what point and where is the transfer of ownership uh, taking place. So they know all of that. And this is basically to have a very common understanding among parties. So that is the reason why you would want to use IncoTerm so that there is no confusion later on that who's going to pay what and how are we going to manage the shipment, who's going to take the insurance and uh, which carrier to use, who's going to arrange for the carrier and everything. It's easier to select an term so that other parties involved in your transaction, that is the banks and any other parties that you're involving, will know exactly wh- who's going to do what part of the transaction and the shipment. So it's always advisable to pick up the incoterms most appropriate for your transaction and mention it in the LC. The LCs, you would have noticed, always have an IncoTerm mentioned so that all the banks who are supposed to check your documents are aware whether the goods should have a, the uh, bill of lading should show freight prepaid or should it be uh, freight to be paid. You know, So these things are very important. Hence, you would want to use IncoTerm for simplicity reasons, to simplify things.
0: Thanks, Verena. Very clear. Ah, uh, Royston, coming back to you, do inco terms mention in the invoice whether they're protecting the buyer or the seller?
1: Right. So inco terms needs to be stated in the invoice or any any document that it, it, it doesn't necessarily protect one party of the two traders. Whether you're in the capacity of a seller or a buyer, you need to understand the inco terms and where the risk and responsibility is like if you are a seller this incoterm will tell me where this risk and the responsibility rests if you are a buyer you will know that so it doesn't necessarily protect any one party of the two it actually gives very clear uh, sort of a defined uh, responsibility and 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 the risk and where it transfers from the seller to the buyer so it is a must that you have the the incoterm stated in, in, your contractual agreements with, with your trading
0: partner. Thanks, Rosie. So Mona, just kind of digging a bit more into these individual income terms. So for DDP specifically, unloading carriage is a responsibility of the buyer. The person who's asking the question thought it was, it was the responsibility of the seller. Uh, can you just confirm that?
2: Sure. I'll just uh, reconfirm the information that we shared a little while earlier, and that is that under DDP, the seller delivers the goods when the goods are placed at the disposal of the buyer, cleared for import on the arriving means of transport, ready for unloading at the named place of destination. So, the unloading is ideally the buyer. However, the seller can also do that. Now, these incoterms do define all the responsibilities and the tasks that each party is supposed to perform. However, if there is any modification you'd want to do, for example, if the seller wants to unload the goods in this particular case, they can do that as well. So ideally, it is the buyer who should be doing it. However, if the seller is uh, okay to go ahead and uh, unload the goods from the arriving um, means of transport, they can do that as well.
0: Thank you, Mona. Royston, on to another one. CFR. If a shipment gets damaged while in transit, with whom does the obligation lie?
1: Okay so CFR is cost and freight. It's a seller's obligation to make sure the price is based on the freight including the freight charges and the cost for its good. The shipment happens and then something happens to the the goods. The insurance is not covered by the seller yeah in this instance the buyer will have to manage or bear the loss or the risk. This is why it's important for the buyer, if there are concerns on the on, on, on the shipment or the vessel, the buyer would then suggest a CIF and that's important to know. Great,
0: thank you Royston. A bit more of a generic question coming back to it, uh, can we say that Incoterms and collection terms are the same? The
1: short answer is no, Yeah, Incoterms talks about the risk and responsibilities between sellers and buyers and it's more or less the journey. Of goods from the sellers warehouse to the to the buyers warehouse and how the cost is made uh, that is all within the inco terms aspect collection terms collection terms are as we know DA documents against acceptance DP documents against payment now there are some traders that they may use the term collection terms for Terms, which is incorrect. Yeah, the term collection terms is more or less for the collection documents that happen between a buyer and seller, and how they use the banking channel to to present their documents from the seller's um, bank to the buyer's bank. And in collections, you have the buyer's bank that may present the documents to the buyer by debiting their account immediately and that is under a collection term called DP or documents against payment and then if it is on a usance or a a tenor or a credit term given to the buyer then the banks, the, the buyer's bank will hand over the documents on a DA term documents against acceptance and these terms are called collection terms. So it is not the same. It is two very different things. The incoterms clearly talk about risk, responsibility, cost of the sellers to the buyers, and the collection terms are to do with collection documents under URC 522. Great, thank you,
0: Rizan. Mona, interesting one here. Is it possible to change incoterms during any part of the transaction?
2: Yes, you can do that. You can very well do that. Example would be like if you have issued a letter of credit where you've mentioned a particular incoterm and before shipment, you decide to change the incoterm because you would like to take on more of the risk or the cost. In that case, yes, you can change the INCO term, but you will need to do that before the shipment takes place. And you'll have to revise all the terms and conditions accordingly in the LC at that point of time. So if you're changing the INCO term accordingly, the named place of destination, the port of loading, these things may change. So you'll have to amend that in the LC as well. And you can very well go ahead with the change in INCO term. So you can change it accordingly whenever you'd like to. But just make sure that the LC reflects the same.
0: Thank you, Mona. Royston, back to you. Do the new Inco terms impact on DC compliances?
1: So when we say DC compliances, I'm assuming that how will documents presented by the, the beneficiary or the seller be in conformity with the DC terms? Well, the answer is that the Incoterms 2020, yeah the definitions that is stated in the 2020 version needs to be stated in the DC and how the documents must be submitted. So the moment Incoterm is stated, especially with with the three changes that we talked about, the FCA, the CIP, and the, the DPU, if these three Incoterms are stated in the DC, then it must be referred to as Incoterms 2020. It is understood that the latest version will be used but for clarity's sake, it is important to clearly state what version of the Incoterms would apply for that particular DC. This is just so that you will have no ambiguity in understanding uh, what those responsibilities and risks element in in the journey of goods. So I would highly recommend that whenever you state an Incoterm, especially pertaining to these three, where there was a clear change from 2010. To 2020, it's recommended that you state which version of Incoterms apply.
0: Thank you, Wilson. One for you, Mona, this time around. What if there are no Incoterms mentioned on any of the documentation? What happens then?
2: Now, it depends what are we talking about. Are we talking about a collection document or LC document? Because for LC documents, whenever an LC is issued, uh, banks make sure that there is an inco term mentioned, it is a requirement, it has to be mentioned. So I'm assuming that this is not for LC documents. And if you have not chosen any inco term or you do not wish to select any inco term, then what you would need to do is you need to make sure that your uh, contract clearly specifies every detail with regards to the shipment of goods and the cost and the risk. And those details will need to be clearly um, agreed and signed because it will then leave room for uh, misunderstanding. And at some point, you may end up having disagreements with your uh, client as to who was supposed to pay for what and who was supposed to take the insurance. So to clarify these things, if you do not want to use Incotum and you're not involving banks, in that case, best is to then list out all of these steps in your contract and agree that who's going to bear what. Otherwise if you are involving banks and you're having an LC, clearly you will have an term uh, in an LC. So, And also for collections, mostly you do have terms because it is so widely used that uh, every customer you deal with would ask you for the term So more or less, you will be using the term for collections as well.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Mona. Finally, just a thank you and see you soon that's it for this episode. Please join us in the next instalment, which will provide an in-depth look at imports and import finance options.